This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Arsenal are very much back in the title race. A fantastic 3-1 win over Liverpool to shut the haters up and build up this Arsenal team into something that is very different from a fair few weeks ago. This is a very proud, a very happy and excited Arsenal Raw Reaction Show. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is our Raw Reaction Show. Joining you this morning at 8am, the morning after the night before. With Arsenal securing a very, very big victory. One which few, I suppose, expected in the manner that it came. But that the many are very pleased to witness, understand and ultimately take away the three points from. We're going to be discussing it in plenty of detail and in part two, of course, we'll be taking your thoughts and comments and questions from the live chat as well. Speaking of which, good morning to those joining us on this brilliantly positive Monday. Uh, Damien, good morning to you. Taguna from NZ. Kieran, uh, Adegoke, uh, Damien, Mark, Matt G, uh, Guna from NZ, Carlton, uh, Angela, we've got Carl and Matt G and Babatunde and uh, Sweating Merlot, Brad, Rowan, Alpha Dan, Black Shine, Shari. We've got Pam and Paul and Vivian. Uh, thank you so much to all of you guys and girls for tuning in. It is very much appreciated. And I hope that you've had a fantastic weekend because, my goodness me, I have. I've had a great one. Uh, I tell you what, I was um, sitting in the overflow. I wasn't actually in the press box area for this one because similar to the Man City game these fixtures garner a lot of attention so you get a lot of foreign media coming in which means that obviously the press box gets very full um I'm very fortunate at Football London to get two writers into to each of the home games and so to, to to get in obviously sometimes you get put into the overflow area now the overflow area if you're in front or behind the away dugout and you walk up the steps past the press box you'll notice that there's some fan seats that have the television screens with the replays this is the overflow area so you're in with the fans there are fans in front of you to the sides of you 
And I'm sitting there without a desk with the laptop on my knees, um, writing and doing the minute by minute and writing a full-time story at the same time. And I have to admit that there's a frustration sometimes. You're like, oh, this is going to be much harder because obviously I'm not going to be able to, I haven't got a desk to, to put my laptop on. So it's going to be much harder to, to write. But I tell you what, I, I, I don't take that for granted at all. I actually kind of preferred it for this game in particular. It was amazing to be in with the, uh, the, the, the fans. And I tell you what, my right hand and my legs at the end of the game were aching so much because obviously when we attack, the fans stand up around the, the press area. And usually because the press area isn't a position where you can look over the fans, um, so you don't need to worry about it. But sitting in with the crowd, you don't have that um, You don't have that that, uh, that advantage. So my right hand was spent basically holding my laptop one-handed at times as then my legs... I don't know if you've ever done this workout exercise where you have to kind of sit against a wall without a chair. So you're in a seated position with no chair beneath you. And that was basically what I was doing for 45 of the 90. So no leg day for me this week because my legs were on fire by full time as I (laughs) trying to catch a glimpse of the game. And it was an amazing spectacle throughout and just a brilliant experience. To be honest, you know, sitting in that press box at times, yes, you can get carried away, especially as an Arsenal fan, you're covering the team, but you there is sometimes a little bit of a detachment there is sometimes you you forget that um that same sense of being in with the supporters and it was so good so brilliant and i enjoyed being there so much and i'm sure plenty of you did who were there and those watching at home or in groups or in pubs and uh, and supporter groups had an amazing time as well um brilliant stuff amazing and uh it was a glorious glorious afternoon let's um Let's crack on with today's slides, though. And we start, of course, as always, with our overriding thoughts. Arsenal 3, Liverpool 1. Never underestimate this team and do so at your peril as Gunners smash open the title race. It was a game from the moment it started. I realised that this game is going one way. Typically, five minutes into a game, you can see... um, you, you can kind of see what's going to happen. You can see what Arsenal have turned up today. You can see what type of Arsenal team have arrived and which Arsenal team is going to is going to take on the opposition. Sometimes we can be a bit timid. Sometimes we have to absorb pressure. But this Arsenal team from... Yes, there was an early chance with Jota with the ball in behind. But from the first five minutes, I, I knew this team was up for this one and that they were up for Rudy gunning for Liverpool. And, you know, we took the lead. Thanks to initially an amazing pass from from Martin Odegaard. Great run as well from Kai Havertz. Yes, it would have been great for him to get the goal himself. And that really would have put pay to, to his critics. But Saka is there to, to mop up the save from Alisson. The Havertz shot is kind of into the body of, of Alisson. And so it's ne- he's never going to be able to, to parry it into a specific position in which he's able to kind of put it away from the goal or to his, one of his teammates. And uh, Saka was there to just take an excellent first touch because it, it seems like an easy chance because all he's got to do is put it away into an open net. It's not as easy as it looks. He's got to take a really good first touch, quick reactionary time, and then finish quickly before any of the defenders can get in the way of his shot. Excellent. Um, and, and that move opening Liverpool up was one of a number of opportunities that Arsenal had. We ran them ragged down their right flank. Martinelli down the left-hand side was excellent. 
Uh, Ibrahima Kanate had a torrid time. Uh, he defended well throughout parts and certainly is up there with the best defenders in the league, without doubt, even though he got sent off later on in the game. But Martinelli, everything that he struggled to do at Villa Park and at Anfield, where he was getting kind of out-muscled, out-physicaled, if that's even a word, it's not, out-battled in some ways. Um, everything that Martinelli didn't really do in those games at Villa Park and at Anfield, it was the complete opposite here. Martinelli looked like a different player. He looked like a player completely possessed um, with his uh, with the, his own physicality that he was able to then be an absolute nuisance. But before we get to his goal, and after all that Arsenal dominance so early on in the game and going into half time with such momentum and such positivity, and I really thought, wow, we are playing so well that I'm expecting to see uh, more of this and to ask them to take the advantage and even make a two-goal lead. Right before half-time, I was sitting next to uh, another journalist and speaking to him about, uh, from PA, I think it was, um, and uh, speaking to him saying that this one goal is, is not enough. Not enough at all. Arsenal are going to need to score one, maybe even two more if they want to get this win because I cannot see how Liverpool are going to stay quiet. And sadly, right before half-time, this horrific mistake happens. Good ball over the top. Um, and then Saliba has to clear the ball. And when Saliba doesn't clear the ball, and he's obviously showing it to Raya, Raya's got to be more authoritative. Gabriel's just really unlucky. I'm not looking at Gabriel um, at all. It's just really unfortunate. It hits him on the hand and it deflects and goes in. But Saliba and Raya, I've got my eyes on in this moment. It was, I agree with Jalali here, an uncharacteristic mistake from Saliba. It's two in two games from him, actually, in those physical battles. And he, I think he's got, it's just something's got to be mentioned. So he's got to be on a watch of this. He's got obviously, he's going to watch these back and these moments back and he'll be looking to step up. And I think it's obviously, um, uh, it's something that he will be, watching back but between him and Raya I need to see more from both of them I think Raya needs to be more authoritative in that position but to be honest Saliba should be clearing it well before it even gets to the position where Raya has to try and make a decision I want Raya to be more authoritative in that position but it was probably 60-40 Saliba more 60 Raya more 40 in the moment and in the immediate aftermath I thought it was more Raya but now I've watched it back a few times I think it was slightly more Saliba than it was Raya but in the end it didn't matter because in the second half Arsenal weathered something of a storm. Liverpool certainly came out in the second half emboldened by that goal and they were pressing and they were getting balls into the box and they were dominating possession. And then Arsenal gradually weathered that and built themselves back into the game. Havertz's physicality, the runs that was being made by the wide players, the counter-attacks that was being utilised by Raya at points as well. I thought Raya's distribution was really good on the day. We can point to him for the uh, for the perhaps part of being the mistake for their goal. But I thought Reyes' distribution and um, balls out, long balls, short balls, the throws that he made were really strong. And we built ourselves back into the game. And eventually, long ball over the top again. Uh, Van Dyke and Allison. I don't know what Van Dyke's doing. Van Dyke just has to clear it. I, I, he expects, he's relying on his goalkeeper. But you can rely on your goalkeeper all you want. But you can't then run in the path of your goalkeeper because Allison's coming out to try and clear the ball. And then Van Dyke just runs in the pathway of Allison. So he can't even get a foot on it. And the ball lands at Martinelli. And I always laugh in when we see those training videos and you'll know the training videos I'm talking about, because I always see little comments and replies to, uh, to some of those training videos. Do you remember that in training, they had those little goals 
and they've never got a goalkeeper in them. It's just the task is turn, spin, pass the ball into the little goal. Turn, spin, move around one of those kind of like outlines of a player, those big things they use for like free kick walls. Um, and then they pass the ball into those little nets. And I'm always thinking they're really interesting why they use that. And obviously it's all about passing and finding your target. But I couldn't help but think that those moments helped Martinelli <laughs> to finish that goal with a much bigger version of those tiny little goals they use in training. And all he had to do was just glide the ball into the back of the net before running off and celebrating wildly. And it, it really did. Like Liverpool fans might say, oh, well, Arsenal got a bit lucky there, but they got lucky with their goal. You know, there's no luck um, that's getting them an equaliser. There's no luck that's... Um, so there's, there's only luck that's getting them that equaliser. Only luck was ever going to get them a goal. They had, they didn't have one big chance the entire game. Arsenal, I think, had six in the match, perhaps eight, uh, if I saw the stats right. And obviously, that Martin Lee just had to just roll the ball into the back of the net. And from that point on, as soon as Arsenal took the lead, I never really felt as though Liverpool were going to actually get the equaliser, which is similar to the Man City game. There's a lot of similarities, actually, between this and the Man City game. And Arsenal approached both of these games. And I said this, actually, on a couple of shows. And I said this leading up to this game. I think I said it on Sophie's channel the other day as well. That Arsenal were going to approach this game like they approached the Man City game. They were going to look to frustrate. They were going to look to break up the Liverpool attacks. Um, and even though we created far more than we created during that Man City game, we frustrated them like we frustrated Man City. We were defensively strong other than a couple of moments, obviously. But overall, we were really defensively strong. And if Arsenal were going to win the league this season, as I've said time and time again, the, the reason why Arsenal didn't win the league last season for me, the biggest reason, is you, we didn't win against City. In either game, we didn't win against City. And if you want to win the league, you've got to beat your title rivals. You absolutely have to beat your title rivals. And this season, we've now beaten Man City at home. We've beaten Man United at home. We've beaten Liverpool at home. We've drawn at Anfield. We've drawn at Stamford Bridge. And we've drawn against Spurs at home as well. We're undefeated against big six sides. Yes, the Aston Villa is a bit of a blot, as is the Newcastle one as well. They're frustrating. I think we deserve more from those games that we ended up getting. But we just solidly outplayed Liverpool on the day and looked so good. If you were looking at that team over the festive period when we were dropping points to Villa, dropping points to West Ham and um, and who was the other team as well we, we lost to? Uh, Fulham. You would never expect Arsenal of that that were doing that to, to put on that type of the performance. And I, I knew that it was a blip. And the reason why I knew it was a blip, and I said it was a blip during that festive period, is because the only game where I thought we were really poor was the Fulham game. The West Ham game was is a fluke. Like We created so much in that game. 44 touches in the opposition box, something like some stupid number of opportunities we created for ourselves. And we couldn't just finish our dinner in that game. Fulham game was bad. The Aston Villa game. You know, the unfortunateness of the the late equaliser being ruled out, the opportunities we had to score in that Villa game as well. And at Anfield, you know, as well. I thought maybe, even though Anfield, I thought in the second half, Liverpool deserved more. I thought we, we had the chances. Martinelli had a chance or two against Liverpool to score and, and didn't take them at Anfield. It was a blip. It was an anomaly. And you could see the potential in that Arsenal team that just wasn't being fulfilled. And we managed to build up that momentum again by beating Crystal Palace and by beating Nottingham Forest. 
And I'm so glad that even though Gabriel Jesus wasn't available for this game, that we did actually risk him for the uh, for the game against Nottingham Forest because it was important in that game. Yes, it sucks that he wasn't available for this game. And yes, there's a conversation to be had about Jesus's availability going forwards and one of the reasons why we're obviously interested in signing a striker in the summer. But it was good that we played him against Forest. And we'll talk about the striker that played for us uh, against Liverpool in a second. But first, we've got to talk about Trossard's goal. First of all, Jakob Kivior getting an assist. Uh, defensive header. Kivior comes on at half-time for Zinchenko, who sadly was injured. I thought it might have been tactical, but actually it turns out, as Arteta said after the game, that it was a um, it was an injury decision as to why Kivior came on. And I'm so glad that Kivior had the game that he did. Yes, there was that moment where he passed the ball out. I get that. Frustrating, annoying, whatever. Forget about it. Move on. Because outside of that mistake from Kivior where he passed the ball out, Kivior was really solid. Kivior was good. And I'm so glad he was because at the end of the transfer window, the amount of thoughtless comments I had from people saying that we should be giving chances to Lino Souza at left back over Kivior, that Kivior's not a left back and that we shouldn't be playing him there. We should be giving opportunities to those kids. And you're right to say that he's not a left back. First and foremost, he's a centre half. Kivior is definitely a left-sided centre-half, but he has filled in at left-back. And there is no one in the world that can convince me that it is the right decision to throw a 19-year-old kid with no Premier League experience at all over someone that's the Polish national team's starting defender, either at centre-back or left-back where he has played, to come on and play in a title-winning season. It's rash. It's illogical. It's just silly. And Arteta's faith in Kivior to come on in the most important game of Arsenal's season and to be defensively impressive and to stay strong and stay composed and respond to the mistake he made with that pass with another good pass out to the left-hand side and obviously then the defensive header that leads to Arsenal's third goal. So good from him. Really happy for Kivior. But let's talk about the goal because the spin, the turn, the drive, the finish from Trossard is excellent. Trossard is one of the best January signings Arsenal have ever made. The impact he makes on the bench, the impact he has in terms of giving us depth in the forward line to play at left wing, to play at centre forward. He even played at right wing once. Remember that time he played against Leeds and got a goal and maybe an assist from right wing? Definitely an assist, I think, when he played on the right-hand side. His movement... His intelligence, his experience is so valuable. Helping close out games is really good for Trossard. He may not want to be that guy that finishes games. He may not want to be the guy that's a substitute. He may want to be more of a starter. But he came on against Nottingham Forest and really used his experience to Arsenal's benefit to help close out that game. And again, coming on for Martinelli. And I remember seeing absolute outrage as I scrolled through my timeline when I got a brief moment to check Twitter the outrage of Martinelli being substituted. If you were annoyed at Martinelli being substituted, you weren't watching the guy blowing out of his backside. Martinelli was done. Martinelli was dead on his, his, his feet. He was so shattered by this point that no matter how good Martinelli had been, Arteta recognised the fact that he wasn't getting the energy from Martinelli anymore by that point. I think he expended the last of his energy by celebrating the way that he did. Martinelli was done because he played fantastically well, had been out on his feet all game, giving Canate a torrid time. And they recognised that, the coaching staff, and they brought on Leandro Trossard, whose goal and finish was excellent. And I am so glad, so, so glad in the end it's worked out that we ended up getting Trossard and not Mudrick. I feel for Mudrick somewhat in some ways. He ultimately did choose to go to Chelsea, so it's on him. But I'm so glad that the way the world worked out that Trossard ended up coming to Arsenal because he is such 
a good piece of business for Arsenal to do it. The money we got him for, £21 million was the base figure. It rises up to £27 million with bonuses. But £27 million guaranteed fee is such a good deal for Arsenal. For a player who was in his prime when we signed him, Edu gets so much stick, but goodness me, that was a good deal. A massively, massively good deal for a player that, yes, we Arsenal jumped on the opportunity that wanted to move on. Brilliant piece of business by Arsenal. He scores in big games. He scores in big moments. Think about the goal that he scored against Chelsea early in the season. People forget about that goal. But the equaliser he scored at Chelsea coming into the back post. Fantastic goal there. Brilliant goal here. And it's just beautiful to see. Now, uh, I managed to get a word with Jorginho after the game. You can read the full interview, uh, well, parts of the full interview of Jorginho if you want on the football.london website. Go and give that a watch. But uh, here's a brief clip of me chatting to a man who I completely overestimated his English-speaking ability. Hello. Congratulations. Thank you. How would you sum up that game then? Sorry, I didn't how'd, hear. Sorry, how would you sum it all up after winning that victory? How did you what? How do you sum it up? Sorry. <laughs> what does Summarise that mean? it. Sum- how do you feel after <laughs> winning that? <laughs> sorry for English. Sorry, you need, like, I'm tired. Like, <laughs> you the questions. Clear English, please. <laughs> no, we feel really good, really, really happy. I think we worked really, really hard and uh, we deserve doing so. We should enjoy and uh, and feel in this way. I'm curious because you've got obviously your, your contract is a situation which is coming towards an end, but there's a year option. Does that kind of performance make you want to stay longer? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to enjoy the moment, to be honest, you know. Uh, we haven't spoken about it and uh, I just want to win games with Arsenal. <laughs> Georgie, yeah, I, I, I summarize. I thought summarize or sum it up would have been fine. It wasn't <laughs> at all. As I say, if you want to read uh, the piece I've done, go over to the Football London website. Uh, you can read the article over there. It's out this morning already. Um, so please do, yeah, go give that a read. And uh, it was a really. He spoke really, really well. He spoke obviously. He did some more questions and answers with some of the other uh, reporters that were there after the game. And I'm just, I find myself bowled over by him when he plays these games so, so often. Um, and I think the presence, the the calmness, the comfortability, again, another really important January signing for Arsenal. Another player where I remember sitting there on deadline day in 2023 January with pure and utter outrage that Arsenal have done it again. They've gone and signed another Chelsea reject. Another Chelsea player that has not done good enough. Why are we signing him? I wanted Moises Caicedo. But do you know what Arsenal have done? Arsenal have gone and got Jorginho from Chelsea. They've taken away the man that brought them their experience. They've taken away the man that was nominated for a Ballon d'Or not so long ago, who they have replaced with Enzo Fernandez and Moises Caicedo. And whilst they sit languishing, struggling, aching with pain, as they concede four goals at home against Wolves, eight goals conceded in their last two games. Arsenal sit laughing with Jorginho at the centre of their team, starting for the second time in in a month against title-chasing Liverpool, and this time being a man of the match as Arsenal go on to beat Jurgen Klopp's side, that have all the emotional momentum in the world based upon what's happening with them this season. And he was so, so good. All the talk before the game was about Thomas Partey 
All the talk in the week before this game was about how Thomas Partey had another setback and what a blow this was that we've lost Thomas Partey. In these big games, you need big game players. And Georginia, who has won a Champions League, who has won a European title and countless other trophies, has come to Arsenal and has provided them with the experience that they have been crying out for, the balance in the midfield group that we have needed. And I have tried to explain how time and time again that Arsenal have the depth that they need in midfield. And that if Partey is not available, still Arsenal have one of the best defensive midfield options or deep line playmaker options, however you want to describe Jorginho, in the world. The squad planning, the squad building that gets so criticised and so snap, so many snap judgments about signings that we make, be it Jorginho last January, those people aren't talking now. Those people aren't laughing now. They are not laughing at the fact that we signed Jorginho on that deadline day in January 2023. Instead, they are quiet and they are walking away with their tails between their legs whilst Arsenal go on to beat their title rivals against Liverpool at the Emirates with Jorginho getting a Man of the Match award. Utterly brilliant and fantastic, and I could not be happier. Now, I do want to give a shout-out to Kai Havertz as well, and I'm actually going to be doing a deep dive on Kai Havertz's performance uh, a little bit later. I want to go on to Scout, doing one of those pieces that I like to do where I deep dive on their performance and look at the graphics of how they played and their contributions to the game. Because from my perspective, I really liked his centre-forward performance. But I know that people like to say I'm a little bit biased towards Kai because I wanted to succeed so much. I understand that. And so I want to provide some evidence and I'll do that a little bit later on this morning. So please do look out on London for that piece that will be going out at 12 o'clock. I also spoke to Martin Odegaard about Kai and there'll be quotes from that interview um, about Kai in that piece. So please do make sure that you look out for that piece at midday UK time. How long have I been saying to keep Kai Havertz out of the midfield? Keep him out of the midfield. He's not a midfielder. He is a player that needs to be in and around the box. I've been saying this week after week. Put him up top. Put him as a false nine. Put him as a second striker. However you want to do it, do it. Get him into those positions. I really enjoyed Kai's performance. He didn't get a goal. He didn't get assist. Yes, his finishing, again, was questionable, especially with that first goal that we scored. And thankfully, Saka was there to mop up. But his runs, his movement, his physicality, his battling, his nuisance levels were at top tier. And without him, we don't win this game. Kai Havertz was important in how we played. He was important to what we did. And to appreciate him, yes, you probably will need a rewatch sometimes. And I, I think for many people, yesterday's game would be one of those games, similar to the Crystal Palace away game earlier this season, where you'll probably need a rewatch to appreciate exactly what Kai Havertz did. I'm going to bring that to you a little bit later on today. As I say, Kai Havertz was so key to this performance. And for me, if Jesus is not fit, he is our starting centre forward. He is our starting player. He is the player that must be coming in for Gabriel Jesus. Jesus is our starting striker. If Jesus is fit, Jesus plays. I've not got qualms with that. I'm not saying Havertz should be starting over Jesus. But if Jesus isn't fit, then Kai plays. Because Kai is the next best option for this team. He provides the next best level of balance. He provides the next best level of contribution. He drops in. He works hard. He battles hard. He works and he's really clever in some of his movement. He's thoughtful in his passing. And we need that. He's got the experience and it shows. And I just want to see the appreciation given to him. I'm so sick of people saying he's this, he's that. 
Arteta should be sacked for his signing. People embarrassing themselves on social media, talking about him so disparagingly. He's here now. We've signed him. Get over it, right? It's 65 million pounds, a lot of money. And we'll have questions about that come the end of the season if it looks like it's not a deal that's worked out. But in the most important game of Arsenal's season, he played a vital role in us winning this game. And that has to be appreciated. Has to, has to, has to be appreciated. So stop with this. He's this, he's that, this abuse that he suffers. Recognise the mistakes of the past. Recognise the errors that as a fan base we have made in speaking so disparagingly about players, about giving up on them too early. Arsenal are a different beast to when Arteta took them over when they were 11th when he signed on. We're now expected to challenge for titles. And Kai Havertz has started against Manchester City in a community shield as a striker. And he started against Liverpool now as a striker. And we've won both of those games. So can we please put some credit and some respect on this guy moving forwards? Because yes, I don't mind having a conversation about him overall and some of the underwhelming performances that we've had. But I actually think, to be honest, if I'm being very, very honest... I actually point the finger towards Arteta more than anything else. Stop playing him in midfield because that is not where he's going to give you those performances. If you're playing in midfield, you're going to give the haters what they want, which is not the best performances from Kai that we can expect. Give him confidence. Give him consistency. Play him out of midfield, please. If it means him coming off the bench, that's fine too. Just please stop playing in midfield. It really does frustrate me. But my goodness me, we have to stop celebrating, guys. Can we stop? People are going to have aneurysms. People are going to have heart attacks. We can't celebrate. We need to get to the end of the game and we need to sit still, you know, sit on your hands, people. Right now, as you're watching this, get your hands, sit on them because you need to practice. You need to practice not celebrating because it's not on. It's not on. We can't do this to people. It's not fair. People have got livelihoods. People have got emotions. We can't wind them up. It's a game of football. It doesn't matter. You know, you can't, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be celebrating. Stop it. It's silly. Who celebrates in the game of football? It's their job at the end of the day. You know, do you, do you celebrate when the postman posts a letter? No. Do you celebrate when I turn up a few minutes late after an 8 a.m. show is supposed to start? No. Stop celebrating. It's bad. In all seriousness, what bollocks that is. <laughs> what is wrong with, with, what is wrong with the, the clip? Are they doing it because they know that it's going to get clipped? Are they doing it because they know that it's going to bring the engagement. I can only assume that is the reason. I can only assume that they know that what they're saying is going to create a viral clip that's going to whip up a storm on social media and Arsenal fans being what we are, which is we're a reactive bunch. Let's be honest. Let's be self-reflective. We are a reactive bunch. We do enjoy to react to things and to respond to things. Gary Neville, I'm sorry, with all the respect in the world, embarrassed himself on Sky yesterday. Jamie Carragher can play Joker if he wants and reference Neil Warnock quotes to hide the fact that he really did want to moan about Arsenal celebrating. The people can say that the Martin Erdegaard grabbing the camera and taking a picture with Stuart McFarlane and enjoying the moment was too much. Or that Mikel Arteta stealing Jurgen Klopp's celebration and going to the fans and punching the air in celebration was, for me, great. I loved it. I always say this phrase that you get one life. I use it in relation to talking about trolls and haters on social media. You get one life. Don't be a troll. Don't be a hater. Enjoy life. Take Enjoy the joy of it. And Ian Wright did a fantastic video post-match talking about why you want to just rip away the joy of football. 
You get to play once or twice a week. You've got to work in between. Work can be monotonous sometimes. Work can be boring. You know, things are going on in the world. Cost of living crisis, um, conflicts everywhere around the world. People are struggling, mental health, suicide rates. I'm serious about this. I'm not using these examples lightly. It is such a shame that people want to rip the joy out of everything. They want to rip the positivity, rip the enjoyment from something which you get 90 minutes of once or twice a week. And for some people, it is, it is everything. Some people aren't into football and that's their thing, but other things will bring them joy. Are we going to start going to them and saying, stop enjoying that? Stop celebrating that? It's a joke. It's embarrassing. And it needs to stop. And someone needs to have a serious conversation with these pundits and these people that are so intent on trying to temper expectations around how things are celebrated. If Arsenal don't win the league, it'll be crap. It'll suck. And it will suck if we don't win the league, right? But I'll still remember. I'll still remember this game. Like I remembered going mad in the press box when Reese Nelson scored against Bournemouth in the final seconds of that match. We didn't win the league last year. But that moment, that game, will live in my memory forever as one of my favourite moments where I have felt so much joy. You know, relationship with the missus aside, the wedding was great. I loved it. It was fantastic. Just just put, if she's watching, just, just put that in a box for a second. It's a different part of life. But just opening the Arsenal box, I'm very conscious now all of a sudden, <laughs> that moment when Reese Nelson scored, the emotions I felt of relief, of joy, of belief is something that I just can't explain and no one can explain. It's unbelievable. I was in Chicago last year. The Southampton game, was it sucked the fact we drew that game. But that equalizing goal when it went in to make it 3-3, my goodness me, that the, the Globe pub in, in Chicago erupted and I just embraced it. I... I reflected on the fact it was such a disappointing draw in the end but my goodness me I loved every second of that of that of that goal even though it was just an equalizer on the day stop taking it away from us stop making this sport worse stop trying to make it such a boring spectacle where you have to measure or temper your actions it's not what it's about let the fans celebrate let the fans be brilliant. And by the way, the atmosphere yesterday was 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 amazing. And again, it goes to show that you don't need to double the Ashburton Army's attendance. You don't need to, to encourage specific things. Just turn up and be supportive. I think the Ashburton Army have obviously contribute massively to improve games where the atmosphere is quieter. But it's it's there. It's in us as a supporter base. It's there with the fans that are there every week. It's there with fans. I had, uh, a fan messaged me yesterday that had been critical of my comments on tourist fans. You know, the suggestions that tourists go to these games and don't they don't understand it as much as we understand it, which is a load of BS. It's a lot of rubbish. I know fans from America. I know fans from Asia. I know fans from Africa, from all around the world that come to watch Arsenal for their first game and sing their hearts out. And this person messaged me yesterday to say, Tom, I hold my hands up and I take it back. I sat next to a fan who was a tourist yesterday and they were shouting and screaming throughout the entire match. It is in us. It is in season ticket holders. It is in fans there for their first game, their second game, their 500th game. It is in every one of us to make that Emirates atmosphere as good as it has been against Liverpool, as it should be when we come back again to face our next game, which is Newcastle at home, I believe. 
So at West Ham and Burnley away, then Newcastle. But whether it's Sheffield United at home, whether it's Liverpool at home, the Emirates needs to be made as buzzing as it can be every single time. And the players have to deliver too. But from minute one, we need to be creating an amazing atmosphere as we continue to build on this momentum that we've built. We can't afford to not have that. Liverpool win. Manchester City win. Manchester United win. Mikel Arteta has beaten all three of these big six sides at home this season. What on earth do the critics have to say now? What on earth? I don't see any Arteta outs in the chat box today. Fairweather fans in the opposite direction is what I call them. Coming out like a reverse Homer Simpson meme. Mikel Arteta got this spot on. He's made mistakes this season, that's for sure. And he's not perfect and he still needs to learn. And he still, he still um, will be held accountable for actions, for sure. But my goodness me, he got this spot on. And this Arsenal team used to be four or five years ago, we'd go into these games against Liverpool, we'd go into these games against Man City going, how many are we going to lose by today then? Because I can't see us winning. They're too good. I'm optimistic. I'm always optimistic. But ultimately, in the back of my head, I'm always thinking, you know, this. I, we are so far off it. We used to watch those Champions League games of Liverpool playing and Man City playing and thinking, we're so far off it. We're so far off these two. How are we going to match these two? Well, we've beaten both of them this season in the league now. And Mikel Arteta has been the mastermind behind those performances and the squad building that's led us to make a team that can do it, despite the fact that we don't have our starting striker, despite the fact that we haven't had Thomas Partey, despite the fact that £38 million worth of investment has not been there, and despite the fact that Takahiro Tomiyasu, who was so good in last season's win when we beat Liverpool again at the Emirates, was also not there. He managed this game perfectly. He chose the team perfectly. He set the team up perfectly. He prepared them perfectly. And he needs to continue. The contract for me is not a reward. It is a continuation of this project and this process that has seen me suffer for so long and get so frustrated with Arsenal being stagnant in top four races or even outside of that when it came to the Unai Emery and Arsene Wenger's end of his tenure. And Arteta has turned me from a fan that was backing, supporting a club that was continuously and monotonously fighting for its life in the top four to now being expected to challenge for a title. And that's what he has done. That next contract, as we talked about in our last phone-in show, will be a deciding contract where he has to deliver a Champions League or a Premier League title in his next contract. Otherwise, we will get the answer to how far we think he can take us. But right as of right now, Mikel Arteta has done a brilliant job and if you can't see that, it's because you've been watching with the last four years with your eyes closed. And it is as simple as that. Big bit of news before we wrap up. I did mention Takira Tomiyasu there, and he has reportedly agreed a brand new contract, which is fantastic news for Arsenal. Hopefully it'll be announced very, very soon. And I am buzzing to see that. Yes, he's got his injury issues. Yes, he's not always available. But my goodness me, has he become a big part of this group and such a consistent performer when he does play and when he is available. He is coming back. Zinchenko may have an injury. We don't know if he's going to be out for a while or not. But Tomiyasu coming back is huge for us. I cannot wait for him to come back. And I cannot wait to be back in for part of this squad because it's going to be huge. Right. That's the longest part one I've ever done. And it means I've only got 20 or so minutes to do part two with you guys. But let's do part two right after this. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right then, uh, part two. Thank you for, first of all, being patient and listening to me just ramble on for 37 minutes. I hope it was worth it. Um, I had a lot to say about that game yesterday, and I hope I've got that out because I really wanted to get it all out. Um, and uh, this is the raw reaction. And I think there was a lot of um, emotion in that. I'm ju- I've just got so much pent-up frustration about how disparagingly this team and this manager and these players have been spoken about by people that just haven't been watching properly. And uh, that, I think, showed in the first 37 minutes of today's show. Um, First of all, uh, this won't be the only show we do today. I'm hoping to do another Let's Talk Arsenal show with a special guest uh, later on this evening. So make sure you tune in uh, for that, probably about five, six o'clock. I need to confirm the time, but you'll get it on Twitter. I'll let you know on Twitter at TheGunaTalkTV. If you want to follow me over there, you can, and I'll let you know what it is. And a massive thank you, of course, as well, for helping us hit 54,000 subscribers. Um, if you're one of those new subscribers or you're a new listener this morning and you like this kind of thing, or well, we do it every single day, 8 a.m., every single day, UK time, this time, this show, every day, and we do a bit of news and transfer roundups, of course, as we run through the season. So I'll be here at this time tomorrow. So welcome, new TGT family members. Uh, thank you so much for for being a part of this and joining us. Um, Pika Who, first of all, thank you for being a member for seven months. Absolutely amazing. Aditya, thank you so much for the kind donation. I'll look out for another comment from you in case you meant to leave a comment with that donation. I'll make sure to look out for that. And uh, Harold says, how many assists does forwards owe? Erdegaard, it's such a good point, isn't it? Because he would probably have far more if we perhaps had better finishes, which is why when we get um, a striker in the summer, which I'm really hoping that we do, I can't wait to see Martin Erdegaard combined with the potential for Arsenal's next big striker. It's going to be fantastic to see, and I really look forward to it. Um, Just having a quick glance at the chat to see if Aditya did follow up that donation. He hasn't, but so thank you so much for the donation, mate. Really appreciate it. Okay. Uh, Oh, sorry, says, feels like Ben White has some life again. What do you think contributed to that? It's a really good point. Ben White, really good again, despite the the antics with the taking too long for the throw-ins and free kick. He was, and he did deserve that yellow card. I don't care what people say. He did. He was taking the mick. Um, but um, yeah, I think that that break he had in Dubai, that that period of, of time off has really benefited Ben White, has really enabled Ben White to, 
to find his footing again. So yeah, that was that was excellent. And and he has been excellent. Darren says, will there be a phone-in show this week? There will indeed, Darren. I'll probably be looking to do that on maybe maybe Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, I think will be the phone-in show. So just look out. <clears throat> look out for that one, people. Um, but we will have that one for you. Uh, AFC Tilladai said Martin Lee gave a very clear little um nutmeg uh to the back of van dyke to make him get oh a nudge sorry i was like what's what's nug <laughs> um yeah a, a nudge uh to uh to van dyke to make him get in alonzo's way what your thoughts he did he was physical and that's what i said at the start of the show when we were talking about martinelli everything that he didn't do at villa and he didn't do at anfield he did yesterday he was more physical he put himself about more he wasn't beaten off um too easily by opposition defenders and he was fantastic so yeah really happy with his performance uh lewis says tom how unprofessional are 80 percent of the pundits and talk shows uh no analysis just tears and unjust criticism after that game and i was i was obviously at the game so i wasn't able to see sky's coverage live but i watched back some of the clips i didn't see anything really talking about the actual analysis of the performance it was just emotional conversation about what arsenal did and it's just it's just so boring this this world that we live in now has sadly been generated into a world where clips and views are obviously prioritised. And that's why the biggest views around because it's emotional and because it's anger and it's because it's hatred and because it's vitriol. And that's how you get a quick buck. That's how you get a quick uh, boost to your viewing figures is to just get all angry and shouty and to say it's how it is and things like this. You know, it's not that, you know, we, and we we certainly won't be ever changing this. We're going to say it actually how it is, which is actually what happens on the field and explain what goes on and talk about what goes on as best as we can. Um, George says, Tom, can we talk about Raya's throw that almost led to a goal? Yeah, um, again, that, that throw to Martinelli on the left-hand side, obviously that header from Saka very nearly should have been better. And that's something that we have clearly looked at. Raya's distribution has been much, much better and he's grown into the role. And look, we can all talk about the, the goalkeeping controversy, the situation that we probably have needlessly created. But Raya, I think, in the second half of the season may end up proving to us why Arteta has done what he's done. And it really sucks for Aaron Ramsdale because he's a really likeable guy, a really likeable character. But no one person is bigger than Arsenal. And if it means that we end up getting a better goalkeeper in the long run, then we have to make that ruthless choice. We have to do that. It's not decided yet. I'm not sold on it 100% yet. But the performances that we've seen over the last few weeks have been significantly better and have been much, much more encouraging. Uh, Youngskin says, Tom, to be honest, we have a good manager that is building a good team. And come this summer, if we add a new striker in the midfield and defence, next season will be ours and we need him to get a new contract. Absolutely agree. Um, African Theory TV says, bring the Barclays back. How can we not get a great breakdown on a performance like this from these so-called pundits? Um, Dan's is absolutely buzzing, man. Did it without Jesus, Partey, Timber and Tommy and Jorginho and Havertz stepped up. Uh, Umpumelelo says, Tom, we are expected to be a banter club. If the narrative is positive online, the rival fans will not click on the links to troll. Uh, us Arsenal fans will not click to defend the club as well. It is the world that we live in. We live in the world of short-form content. We live in the world of uh, a quick um, adrenaline high. We want to get those hormones going with this clickable content. And uh, I understand it. It makes the money. <laughs> you know, it really does. It really does make the money for people. I get it. But uh, uh, it's just a shame that we now can't get 
proper analysis and like really appreciative of what Arsenal did and what Arteta does. And the thing is, I, I saw a clip, I think James shared it, um, James B from AFTV shared a clip of um, uh, a conversation that was on AFTV, actually. I know people have their different views about AFTV and that's fine. You're entitled to have your opinion. I've maintained mine. I think a lot of effort's gone into changing that channel and to improving it. Um, but he shared a clip uh, of, uh, let me find the guy. Uh, who was the guy that said it? Um, I'm not sure who it was who said it, um, but uh, someone on DR Sports was talking about how when Klopp does something, it's beautiful, but when Arteta does it, it's a worldwide problem. Um, and uh, it was so true. Like, so I don't remember Micah Richards, of course, talking about it on Sky. Micah Richards, very genuine bloke, down to earth, says it how he thinks, doesn't, you know, just says what he thinks. Um, I remember him saying, like, when it's Arsenal, everyone talks about. You know, when it's anyone else, you don't. Anyone else, they do. Uh, Cams is the person that it was. Thank you to Jacobs and Amir in the chat box. Culture Cams is the one that said it. Don't know who he is. Um, not come across him before, but uh, I think he spoke really, really well um, on that. So, yeah, I was abs absolutely spot on. Um, Rob says, um, uh, do you think that we should be looking at rotating some of our regular starters in some of the easier games, like Saliba, Gabriel, White, Odegaard, Rice, in regards to developing other players? in case of injuries. I suppose we kind of did that against um, Forrest, Smith-Rowe coming into that game. Havertz, of course, on the bench for that game. So I suppose we've already started to do that in some ways, but I think we can be better with it. So I think you're right to ask the question. Um, yes, I think we can. So I think Kivior should probably start for Gabriel one game, um, a home match probably against somebody that we can afford to do it against. Um, but yes, I think we should be looking. When Tommy Asu's back, we'll have another option to come in and replace and uh, to give a player a bit of a rest. So yeah, there's definitely options for us, but it's more about um it's more about the I think the the injury worries and the lack of depth at the moment that's not allowing us to change enough players at the moment and of course the pressure that comes with the title race that doesn't enable us to change as much as we might want to. Uh, Simon says, I still want Ramsdale to start again for Arsenal because I notice Raya concedes very easily compared to Rambo. Ramsdale has made mistakes in goal. We quickly forget, of course, the mistakes that he does make because he's not playing and we have much more time to focus on Raya's mistakes. But I actually think, and I have said this throughout the season, I think I've been consistent about this, despite the fact that I think it was a needless scenario that was created at the start of the season with this goalkeeping malarkey. I do think that Raya is the slightly better goalkeeper. And so because of that, in the end, it may prove to be um, justified in what we've done. Uh, Zoom Tar says, hey, Tom, what about some player ratings? Okay, uh, Raya, seven. White, I want to say eight. I think White was really good. Yeah, I'll go eight for White. Uh, Saliba had that mistake, but again, was still solid. Seven. Gabriel, eight, really good. Gabriel was fantastic. I know he scored the own goal. I don't really count that against him because it was really bad luck. But Gabriel probably go eight. Zinchenko, seven before he came off. He was getting, I think there was those balls in behind, but I think his contribution to the build-up was really good. Again, probably a seven. Jorginho, nine. Eight, uh, eight for Rice. 8.5, 8.5 for Rice. Odegaard, eight. Probably one of his best performances against a top six side, and we've wanted him to deliver, and he did deliver. Uh, Saka, eight. Martinelli, nine. Havertz, 7.5. Um you know, I think that's probably fair for the whole team. Trossard come off the bench, scored. So you probably give him a 7-8 as well. Um, he was really, really good. So, 
really happy with those performances, really happy with the day, really happy with the result, and, and that was really important. Uh, Sean says, have we shown that the rotation for the rest of the season ought to be built around the matches where we can deploy the double pivot, such as Rice and Jorginho and Partey, and matches that we play Rice as a lone six? I think the midfield will see changes as we play different opponents. That will obviously be different. So when we play uh, West Ham, I actually would play Jorginho against West Ham because West Ham are a team that we have struggled at. Um, West Ham are a team that are good away from, you know, when they're playing at home. I know they were just battered by Man United, but we've really struggled at West Ham recently. So I probably would play um, Jorginho and Rice in the midfield against West Ham. And uh, and that would, I think, give us the best chance of, of potentially winning that match. Um Chris says, hi, Tom. How important was yesterday in regards to ruining the narrative that Liverpool were going to be immensely, uh, were going to be this kind of immensely behind Jurgen Klopp this season? Oh, really important. I think um, I think it was really key to, to remind people more than anything where Arsenal are and what Arsenal are and where they sit in this title race. It's really important to remember where they sit and that is that they are amongst it. And that we could have easily fallen out of um, the title race contention yesterday. If we'd have lost this game, it would have been very, very different. Um, but now Arsenal find themselves five points clear of, of Spurs um, in terms of in, in fifth place. Manchester United are now up to sixth. They're 11 points clear of sixth. Um, and we're two points off Liverpool having to play the same number of games. Uh, they've now got a home game against Burnley, which you'd expect them to absolutely win a canter whilst we have to go to away to West Ham. Manchester City play tonight against Brentford away from home. Let's hope that Brentford can do us a big favour. Uh, that would be very, very much appreciated. Ivan, Tony, please, if you could get a couple of goals and do what you did last season. Man City struggled against Thomas Frank's side last season. So let's keep our fingers crossed that they can deliver the points for us that we're going to need them to. Uh, Sean says, expanding the matches that we've played, a double pivot, we've not inverted the left back such as today because Jorginho's filled the void as a passer from depth. Agree that it makes sense. Yeah, there were some people, I think, suggesting before the game that maybe Jorginho and Zinchenko shouldn't play together. I still think it worked. I think Zinchenko's positioning changed slightly and we adapted to the fact that Jorginho and Rice were in midfield and Zinchenko was therefore and be a little bit more disciplined to the left-hand side. I had no issues with them playing together. I had no issue at all with seeing Zinchenko and Jorginho and Rice play, and we dominated the game with those three players together. So I think they proved some people wrong then, um, actually, and, and those three starting together were very, very good. Um, F94 says, if I'm a Liverpool fan, I'd be worried, even with Martinelli, who Arteta shouldn't have subbed off, in my opinion. We get him behind again, and Kivio should have scored. I, I think, F, I talked about this earlier on, if you didn't think that Martinelli shouldn't have come off, you weren't seeing how shattered he was. He was done. He was so dead on his feet, um, and that's why he had to come off. And Arteta made the right decision in bringing Trossard on. Um, let's go to Lee. says, I just got to the part where Tom described the fans as reactive. We are so bitey as a fan group. It is hilarious. It is. We are. It's what we are. It, we are a fisherman's dream as a fan base. You know, <laughs> put us in a lake and none of us are left at the end of a fishing session at all. It'd be an empty. It'd be barren. We would have all been caught. Uh, it's just the way that we are as Arsenal fans. We cannot help it. We just love to get involved. I do it. I'm really reactive as a person. I get it. I bite so, so easily. Uh, it takes all of my fibres to to ignore things. It really does. Um, I've definitely got a lot better at it, um, but sometimes you just can't, especially rivals. I get really... I, I prefer the whole, like... I don't like biting to Arsenal stuff. It's a bit, bit boring. 
But like for me, football's about bragging rights. Football's about, you know, sticking it to your rivals, Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United and Spurs. Like you want to be able to stick it to them. I don't care about other Arsenal fans saying what they got to say, really. I do a little bit, but not really. Compared to like rival fans, I've got more about Chelsea fans barking up the wrong tree. Chelsea fans have got no leg to stand on at all. Liverpool fans came to Arsenal so arrogant. There was such an arrogance about the way in which Liverpool fans were approaching this game. They came up to Arsenal expecting to win. And it was just another game for them. They were lucky to beat us in the FA Cup. And they got punished today for thinking that they were going to win rather comfortably. Um, Manchester City fans don't really exist. Um, <laughs> and Manchester United fans, yeah, you just got to laugh. Manchester United somehow managed to overachieve despite the fact they're sixth. They're sick that Manchester United are overachieving. That's that's quite the story in itself. Um, Fuad says, I'm sure that Edu will activate Jorginho's extension when we're about to lose a few centre mids. I think it's probably the smart thing to do. Sign Zabamendi, keep Jorginho, move on Partey and Elneny, and you've got Rice, Zabamendi and Jorginho. I think that's a great core group of defensive midfielders for next season. That would be absolutely excellent if we can do that. Um Arthur says, embarrassed there, golden boys. Trent and Va- Virgil van Dijk out in the bin. Uh, Goomba says, Chelsea gifted Cunha a hat-trick for my FPL. Yeah, he's a great pick if you've got Cunha in your team. Um, Christopher says, Vlahovic is much cheaper and more realistic. I don't think he's cheaper, to be honest, mate. I really don't. Uh, they have no interest in selling him. Uh, Fraction Offside says, would you like to see Trossard as a striker sometime? Maybe, but I actually think his impact off the bench is really, really good. So I don't think we necessarily need to. Um, F says maybe, but Martinelli looked very disappointed to come off. Of course, any footballer is disappointed to come off. I wouldn't have subbed him off again. It's up, it's your opinion, but I'm just telling you that he was absolutely shattered and it proved to be the right choice because Trossard ended up scoring. So I think that substitution was was very much justified and Arteta got it spot on. Um, Ian says Jorginho did not play as a lone six, he played very much forward, um, with Rice, and that is good. So in transition, he does not have so much uh, green to cover. His passing was effective as his position. Rice and Jorginho played off one another fantastically well. They were just so assured in what they were trying to do. Anyway, I think we'll bring the end to the show there. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. There's over a 1,000 of you tuning in, which is great. Uh, If you could drop a like before you go uh, to show your appreciation for the show and us turning up every single morning at 8 a.m. to provide these for you, I would really, really appreciate it. I hope that you'll join me tomorrow morning. I hope you'll join me tonight for another show as well and more conversations about this beautiful club that we call Arsenal Football Club. Um, Thank you for listening. Um, And uh, if you've got any thoughts on today's show, leave your comments down below. If you're listening on audio platforms, make sure to leave a five-star review and a written one on iTunes as well. And uh, yeah, it's uh, what a start to the week. Lovely stuff. I feel energized and buzzing and I just want to get stuck into some articles, which of course, as I said, we'll have an article about Kai Havertz's performance dedicated to him at 12. So look out for that one. And uh, other than that, Stay safe, stay well, stay happy and respectful. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.